0: Rabbi Shalom Hammer is with us live via telephone. The book is entitled Armed with Spirit A Father's Advice to His Son in the Israeli Army, based on the weekly Torah portions. Rabbi Shalom Hammer served under the Rabbinate Division of the Israeli Defense Forces and currently serves as a senior lecturer for Machane Meshutaf and the Jewish Identity Branch of the IDF. In addition, he's founder of Makom Meshutaf offering non-denominational Jewish programming for secular kibbutzim and moshavim throughout Israel. He's a sought-after lecturer for communities throughout the diaspora. Go to RabbiHammer.com. Again, that's RabbiHammer.com. His fifth book is called Armed with Spirit, a father's advice to his son in the Israeli army based on the weekly Torah portions. Rabbi Shalom Hammer, welcome back to JM in the
1: AM. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: A pleasure to speak with you. Am I right that this, th- th- this whole practice that led to the book, the practice of being in touch with your son on a somewhat regular basis, without modern technology, this would never have developed. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very much so, right. I don't know if you remember those old uh, blue postage mail things that you <laughs> used to have back in the day 30 years ago, and you would rip them open as you would get a letter from your parents overseas, and half the letter would be gone. Today, right. thank God, with uh, WhatsApp, which everything every single Israeli is familiar with, um, I was able to write consistently every single day. I was able to send the Dvar Torah to my son while he was in the army.
0: And you... Uh, Thought of this simply the first day that he left you? Like when did this whole thing develop?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Before he went in, I was already heavily involved in the Army and as a lecturer, uh, both with yeshivotas there, religious units in the Army, as well as predominantly with secular soldiers. And I'm very aware of the various downfalls, challenges, and obstructions that one can have in the Army that's both physical but certainly spiritually challenging. For someone who's a young man or a young woman who are uh, religiously observant, being in, thrown into a predominantly secular secular atmosphere, has no question various challenges, and I wanted to make sure that my son and our son should know and understand that we're there with him, and to throw him a piece of Torah every single day that he should be able to look back, reflect, and hopefully derive some inspiration.
0: Did you get the feeling that he liked hearing from you on a regular basis? Because we know how... Children can be sometimes, especially when parents try to either give advice or words of encouragement. Were you getting a good vibe from him on the other end?
1: Well, that's a very good question. I'm wondering if any of my kids like hearing from me <laughs> at any point in the day. <laughs> but um, certainly, certainly um, look, in the end of the day, uh, my son, uh, you know, obviously, I think before he went into the army, I don't know if he was so gung-ho knowing that I was going to send him a Dva Torah every day, but he had studied for two years in a pre-mil- pre-military academy, a Machinak Dam Tzvai, called Atzmona, and he was pretty immersed in studying Torah. He was definitely a very very committed young man. And I think when I posed the idea to him, number one, I'm not sure I really gave him much of a choice. I told him <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway, even though I knew that many of the Divrei Torah he would not necessarily read, not only because he might not necessarily want to, but also because his phone is not always available right. uh, when you're a combat soldier. However, he was definitely, you know, definitely amenable to the idea. And once he was already in the throes of various training and advanced army training, I think he definitely appreciated the fact that he would hear from me on a daily basis. The Torah that I would send to him were very, very short, succinct, and uh, just to give him a point and give him some chizuk, some encouragement on, on every single day.
0: Well, I, I I love the book. Absolutely love the book. It uh, I, I don't have children who went to the army, but I said to myself, if I would, I would love for them to get these types of messages on a daily basis. And one of the things I love about the book, Rabbi Hammer, is that sometimes we forget, especially on this side of the world, sometime, or I should say anywhere in the diaspora, sometimes we forget how so much about, about our tradition and our heritage is about Eretz Israel, about maintaining Eretz Israel, about defending Eretz Israel, about being there and putting one's life, God forbid, on the line for Eretz Israel. And as you explored all the parshiot of the Torah with all that in mind, I'm sure you discovered that as well.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it. But I, I want to emphasize something that you mentioned a few moments ago, and that's a very important point. Look, I mean, in the end of the day, I served in the army. A number of my children, my uh, served in the army. My son-in-law, my daughter, is currently in the army, and I continue the practice of sending her advar Torah every day through WhatsApp. Um, but what's interesting is is that Rav Yosef Tzvi Rimon, who is a well-known Zionist rabbi Sir? in Israel, and of course served in the army, and is inve- heavily involved with uh, students who serve in the army, he wrote a haskama to the book. And in the Haskamah he wrote that he actually cried reading the book, because he said it's not only vital with regards to giving chizuk, to strengthening guys and girls who are serving in the army, but really the concept of strengthening parents on a daily basis, for parents to understand the importance of reaching out to their children on a daily basis, of discussing and creating rapport with them on a consistent premise. And um, he said that this so important for all parents to subscribe to today as well
0: amazing amazing and that, by by the way I got that feeling I got that feeling because uh, it, it's an emotional book one might not think that a, a book of DeVray Torah based on the Torah portion of the week can be an emotional book it's an emotional book just knowing that you are you know transmitting these to your son and and and, and you know conjecturing just how much you must miss him and worry about him and knowing that, again, he, even with all the, the cynicism of the young people, you know, no doubt, you know, many times during the day says, you know, I'd rather be home than doing this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you something. It's funny. There's still parts of it that I read now, and unfortunately, my memory doesn't serve me well. But when I read it, uh, there are still parts of me that begin to cry. Yeah. Um, You know, just because I'm just moved, not necessarily from my wonderful words, but just from the concept and the ideas that are developed. Um, I mean, I'll also say that with regards to you know these young people and serving in the army, um, it's just it's tremendously inspirational. I, I I don't want anyone to get the feeling that the book is a tearjerker and depressing, just the opposite. If anything, it's really, it really gives us a strength and a, and to derive a, a certain desire to be connected, as you said, to Israel, to the army, to these young people who are really, in the end of the day, the leaders of our entire Jewish nation at such a young, ripe age.
0: I think it's a tearjerker, but exhilarating, if you ask me. I mean, yeah. I, mean yeah. I think it's emotional, but it's unbelievably inspirational. A uh, book is called Armed with Spirit, a father's advice to his son in the Israeli army based on the weekly Torah portions. Um, you know, many people wonder about the uh, atmosphere in the army. In fact, in the, in the exchanges between your son, and we should note, by the way, that in many of these divrei Torah, there, your son's responses are included. I mean, there's a lot of dialogue between you and him uh, in the book. I think that might be the most, most emotional parts, so or when you're going back and forth. Right. Um, you, you didn't just include what you wrote to him. You, you included the exchanges, which I thought were great. Correct, and, and, and correct. In, and in some of them, he alludes to um, the difficulties or, or, you know, some of the things you just uh, alluded to earlier in this conversation about being a religious Jew in a mostly secular environment. And we know the army, Baruch Hashem, has many wonderful religious and communal aspects to it. But, you know, let's face facts. You're spending a lot of time with people who generally did not grow up in the same type of atmosphere that uh, that your son, for instance, Was used to uh, growing up Uh, as a parent and as a, you know, as a potential soldier is one is one, you know, debating with themselves for a long period of time before finally making that decision to go into that environment.
1: Well, I'll tell you something. I mean, there's not that much debate to do with regards to people who subscribe to Medina Yisrael and to the really the Chiyov deoraita, the obligation from the Torah to protect Eretz Yisrael. Today, I don't think anyone, well, there might be some, but I, I think most people would agree, uh, I'm talking about post Kim Rabbanim, that serving in the army today is really a Milchemet chova. I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute obligation to protect the country. Uh, the main debate that comes up, and there's the the conflict that might exist amongst the youth is whether they should serve in their units, which, are, which is going into the army with religious or observant units together. It could be consist of 15 to 30 young men who are coming from yeshivot as one unit, or to go in as a regular combat soldier. And the difference is that if you go in as a banish, as someone through the Shivat their system, you're serving only 18 months. And I'm not belittling that, but your ability to move on or advance in your service or as an officer and so on and so forth is limited. Whereas if you serve as a regular combat soldier in a regular unit, you're talking about two years and eight months at the very least with the ability to be mitkadem, in other words, to move forward in advance in your Army training and in your service as be an firm. officer and so on and so forth. So the opportunities are much more broad for someone who's serving in regular combat. Having said that, one who does go into a regular combat force um, is, yes, going to be surrounded by mostly secular, secular Israelis. Uh, Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with them. They're wonderful young men and young women. but they're certainly not aware of things that an observant person would be aware of. And I have to tell you that, as a lecturer in the Army, I consistently come across many youth uh, secular Israelis who are not familiar with basic fundamentals and foundations, not only of faith, but of Jewish knowledge, that we would expect an Israeli to be familiar with. And unfortunately, it doesn't resonate with them. And that's really what I'm doing in the Army as a speaker, as a lecturer. I'm trying to bring back, or we're trying to bring back, that spirit, that understanding, that ideology, both of Zionism, of history, appreciating the text and appreciating the richness of what our Jewish culture has to offer. Because if our army is just any other army in protecting a country, but it's not a Jewish army, and it doesn't appreciate and understand where we came from, uh, then there's no way that we could possibly move forward to where we need to be.
0: May I ask you uh, what your daughter's role is in the Army?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Our daughter, Nechama, she serves as a Madrichat Shob, that stands for a Madrichat Shlita'u Bakara. It's a special technical system that tracks soldiers in the field, and she is based on a a base down south called Bislach, and she is involved with officer training. She trains officers how to use uh, technical tracking systems for soldiers in the field. It's It's a lovely job. She's very happy with it. We're very proud of her. And in fact, she just got a job with something called Elbit, which is a a uh, industry of military and technology uh, that they that they sell to various countries. And they like hiring these young girl soldiers who have been involved in these tracking systems. And she's moving on to work for them afterwards.
0: Amazing. Um, does she receive uh, uh, identical or unique Devre Tara from her father? <laughs>
1: That's, uh, Does she well, get the you know, same ones her brother gets? <laughs> she, she actually said to me, Abba, when are you, you going to write the next book about me? <laughs> 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 so I, I don't know if that's going to happen. It's an interesting question that you ask. I have to tell you that my son, our son, he served in a combat unit. So the challenges for him were much different than the challenges that she has. Really? I, in all the different Torah that I sent to him, I tried very hard to gear them with a message of of strength of inspiration knowing that his training would be difficult that there would be times that he would be uh, highly discouraged that he would need a certain amount to d- derive a certain amount of of inspiration uh, w- when he's out in the field and so on and so forth and that there would be unfortunately uh, he would be faced with various dangerous situations and tenuous situations during his during his service. For example, the four months that he spent in Chevron, the four months that he spent on the border of Egypt, and so on and so forth. So every Dvar Torah that I sent him. Uh, generally speaking, would have a message in the end of the day of being proud of serving your country. Don't be discouraged. Realize what a great responsibility you have, but what an awesome opportunity you are presented with as well. The de Torah that I send to my daughter are not as geared to that in as much as they are to share with her a dvar Torah so that she has something spiritual resonating in her mind during the day.
0: Interesting. Um, it seemed your son, based on the exchanges with you that I read in the book, it seems that he had an appreciation for the, for the most, what some would say, minute uh, jobs or tasks that a soldier might have. He had an appreciation for just how vital even that small task is in defending the land of Israel
1: yeah you know what they what they do is i mean when you when you're in the army, uh, there is a constant emphasis on shalsheret. you know that everything is a chain a chain of command but it's not just a chain of command but it's a chain that can't be broken so in other words, in the end of the day, even what we call jobnikim guys who are not serving in combat but have jobs uh, such as cooks uh, technicians engineers all of them are or should be well aware that if anything you know uh, a small spool goes off, or or something is not prepared properly, that that affects in the end of the day the chain of command, and that affects the combat soldier as well. You know, a combat soldier has to eat. The combat soldier has to have his uh, ammunition and munitions and and, and technology to sought after so that he can use it properly. So it's very important to have that connection between every single thing that you do in the army. That everything is vital and everything is important. Um, I remember when my son. Uh, this fellow Yaakov who the book is about or based on in his service when he was in uh, I think it was 11th or 12th grade in an Israeli high school I remember overhearing him speaking to some of his peers and he said you know Chevre, I want you to know that even if I have to brush the latrines the toilets with a toothbrush I'll do it with a certain amount of fervor and a certain amount of dedication because everything is important when it comes to serving in the army
0: Where did he get this attitude Rabbi Hammer?
1: No no question from me. <laughs> you 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 you, you, <laughs> if you interview my wife she might beg to differ. You would also you <laughs> would
0: also take a toothbrush and clean the latrines huh?
1: Well, I don't know about that at this point, but I'll tell you, uh, Baruch Hashem, uh, my wife and I are Zoha, and uh, I'll give large credit to my wife to have children who are very ideological, very motivated. We try and infuse them with an idea that you have to be part of saving Amya Soil, and that, you know, in Israel and in the Jewish world at large, we're a very, very small nation, a very small world that we exist in, and many people look at that as a detriment we try and emphasize that that's an advantage because no matter what you do you're bound to have impact where'd you go to high school I went to MTA
0: did, did you ever sit back and think to yourself because you know all the different directions MTA or any yeshiva league graduate can go in did you ever think to yourself how un- how fortunate you are because your life could have gone in so many other different directions
1: Oh, yeah, there's no question about it. I'll say two things. We went, uh, I w- was brought up, we, we were brought up in Muncie, Muncie, New York. I don't know if you heard of it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, w- w- when we went, we went to a school, elementary school, called Asha, or back back in the day it was called High Rock. And there was a rabbi named Rabbi Nachum Michel, uh, you know, Zichwana and he was an outstanding educator. And one of the things that that school did was really teach us, they taught us, number one, Ivrit Ivrit. We studied in Hebrew, and they imbued inside of us a sense of dedication to Zionism, to Eretz Israel, to the land of Israel. Ashar Hyrak has a huge amount of graduates from my day who have made Aliyah, and I have to credit them. To this day, I was a troublemaker, I didn't learn that much, and I wasn't an academic by any stretch of the imagination, but something was infused inside of me that certainly encouraged my service and to be in Eretz Israel, as long as with many other graduates, so yes, we look back, and I'll just share with you a quick thought, if I may. Sure. Um, two weeks ago we read in Parshat Matot about B'nei Gadu, B'nei Reuven, who come to Moshe Rabbeinu, and they say that they want to settle in Ever HaYarden. And all of a sudden they say to Moshe, Al And Moshe, in a sense, goes ballistic and he loses it, and he says, How can you send your brethren into the, the, the bowels of war, and you guys sit back and watch them fight so why did Moshe lose it and one of the things that I explain is he entertained the possibility of letting them settle in Ever HaYarden, because it was econ- economically viable. But if you're going to settle in Ever HaYarden, in Chutzpah you can't at the same time make the proclamation, Al at Hayarden, don't make us cross over the Jordan Valley. Because then you're not only saying that we want to sit here in Chutzpah but we don't want to be there. I think every Jew, even if they're sitting here, and everyone has a reason and I'm not judging at all, and I understand that not everyone could be an Eretz Yisrael, but every Jew has to want to be an Eretz Yisrael and can never say, Al atayarden. so I remind my kids that we are fortunate because not every Jew sees it that way, and not every Jew has that opportunity or understands it, and we do, and we're part of making it happen.
0: Amazing, absolutely amazing. Everybody, Shalom Hammer is with us. By the way, do you have the book in front of you or not? I do, actually, yes. Could could you go to 174 for a second? Because you, you address in here, and, and I'm bringing it up because it's this week, and, and this mm-hmm. week I would hope everybody's concentrating uh, on Parshat Dvarim. Um, it, it, it is difficult sometimes when we think of how lucky we are, even those who live in the diaspora. I, I just mentioned, you heard me mention on the air, I'm going to be in Israel for a day next week. Right, right. Wow. What would Moshe Rabbeinu have given to be in the land of Israel for a day based on his... Dialogue with God in this week's parsha. We, one can only imagine what He would have given to have done what I'm going to have the privilege and have had the privilege to do many, many times, and mm-hmm. so many people have had. It, it is hard so, to sometimes wrap our collective head around the fact that He did all He did with, you know, at the side of God. I don't want to say with God at His side, Kav but with, but at the side of God, He did all He did, and had this uh, one goal, and and God Himself. From the time of Abraham, states to him, meaning to Moses and all of his predecessors, how important this goal is, and he's not allowed to enter. And I just wanted to know, and it, I mean, certainly you could cite the thoughts you have on 174, but in addition to that, if there is a way to just reconcile with what HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided for Moshe Rabbeinu.
1: I mean, it, it, it's, it's very, very difficult to understand. It's uh, all the parashanim, all of the various commentaries try and understand why Moshe was, in the end of the day, punished from coming into Eretz Yisrael. Uh, it, it's very difficult to understand. Um, but having said that, I mean, you make reference to 174, and what I say there, one of the ways that Moshe Uh, describes Eretz Yisrael, he says, uh, He says, let me see the good land. And one of the questions that I ask here, and based on one of the parashanim, is how does he know it's Uh. tova? You know, I mean, (laughs) he he was never there. He didn't see it. But the answer is rather obvious, but it's so important. And that is, from Moshe's perspective, it was always tova. Everything with regards to Eret Yisrael is perspective. I always say about the Meraglim, we're coming up to Tisha B'Av. So it says, mm-hmm. And the Gemara says, I think it's the Gemara Sanhedrin, that on that night is referring to the night of Tisha B'Av. What exactly went wrong with the Meraglim? So there's many, many commentaries, etc., what they did wrong and various theories, the Ibn Ezra, the Rambam, the Ramban. I say that in actuality, when Moshe sends them on the mission, which is completely a sound mission, I mean, you don't send soldiers into a, a, a conquest without a certain amount of tactics and strategies. But when Moshe sends them, he says to them, Uraea ta'aretz mahi, see the land mahi. What is mahi? So one would say it means mahi for what it is. But I'd like to suggest that mahi is for what it can be. In other words, Moshe expected from them to see not the land that it is now, but the land that it can be, the potential that the land has. (laughs) There are only a certain amount of people that see Eretz Yisrael that way. It is only those people who are able to sustain and live in the land of Israel. Because if you're looking at Israel for what it is now, there's plenty to kvetch about and there's plenty to be disheartened about. But if you see the land of Eretz Yisrael as Moshe did, how Tovahi, that the, the potential is so good. There's so much we can do. There's so much we can contribute. There's so much we can develop. And I want you to know that I spoke about this just this past week. I go to secular kibbutzim, deal with secular Israelis, and teach them, you know, Havanata Mikra, et cetera, and we go through various texts. And I said to them, look, your parents, your grandparents saw Eretz Mahi, we don't have to be talking about religious people. But they understood very well that to be a chalutz, to be a pioneer, you have to see the eucalyptus trees that could soak up the swamps near Khadera. You have to be able to see Tel Aviv as not being a desert in the middle of nowhere but being a metropolis. And that takes a certain amount of vision. And I don't know why, and I can't completely understand why Moshe was obstructed from coming into Eretz Yisrael, but the Torah consistently emphasizes that Moshe moved forward. that Moshe led Bnei Yisrael through the Yarden, and that ultimately Moshe always saw Eret Yisrael, even though he couldn't get there, as HaTovahi. And that takes a certain amount of perspective that allows us and gives us the resilience to survive.
0: And you're lucky enough and honored enough to have children who understand that the Eretz is Tovahi. Absolutely, Baruch Hashem. Which is such a tremendous bracha, Uh, Rabbi Shalom Hammer. uh, Armed with Spirit is the name of the book. I hope everybody listening right now is ordering this book now. You will absolutely love it if you loved this conversation. Armed with Spirit is a father's advice to his son in the Israeli army, based on the weekly Torah portions. And as I mentioned, it includes dialogue in many of the cases between Rabbi Hammer and his son, which makes the book even more emotional and and frankly uh, adds a tremendous dynamic to it uh, Rabbi Hammer, always a pleasure. Uh, big eshekach on the book, and, and, uh, and good luck with it. I assume it's available Well, these days. You can just order it online, right? It's available yeah, everywhere. Abs-
1: absolutely. It's now uh, in uh, where well, a few days will be in Amazon, and it's on the shores of the United States already as we speak. And uh, as you mentioned, my website is rabbihammer.com. If any communities, Kehilo, JCCs, whatever it is, are interested in hosting me uh, to speak about the book and to have a lecture in a special evening, uh, with book signings I'd be happy to respond and I come in periodically so thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: And I will highly recommend that to uh, all the congregations and their representatives who are listening right now. Rabbi Hammer thank you, a, uh, a, a real delight speaking with you and thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you Rav Nochem. I wish everyone yeshuot v'nechamot, we should only hear b'sarot and we should see erit Yisrael abnuya b'meirabi ameinu Amenu
0: Amen, amen. tada There he is Rabbi Shalom Hammer book is called Armed with Spirits.